Good morning. You guys are rowdy this morning. Good to see y'all today. Y'all doing okay? Good. I don't know what kind of week you've had, uh, but it's been a good week in the Lord. Uh, Not once this week uh, did God drop something on the floor and, and, and reach down to pick it up and miss something. He's been in control all week. His character is unchanged. He's good. He sends rain to the just and the unjust. Amen. Amen. Aren't we glad for some rain? Praise God for that. And we praise Him for His expression of love and His perfect, uh, perfect, uh, He carried out justice in the most perfect way so that He could show mercy and grace to us. Uh, And of all people, we have much to celebrate. So I hope you're ready, sounds like you are, to praise the Lord this morning. Uh, just a few announcements. In fact, I don't even think, oh yes, there's one announcement. Brooke, you want to make that announcement? Yes. Um, if you want to help on, with our children's ministry on Wednesday nights, please see me for just a really quick touch base meeting in the fellowship hall right after church. Five oh. minutes tops, I promise. All right. All you folks that are ready, because Wednesday night, children's stuff is close it's just right around the corner. So if you just make sure and see Brooke after this is over, if you're interested in helping, if you usually help and you just want to get some information, um, just make sure you talk to her. I wanted to share, um, this week I got a postcard from the mayor of Carbon, who's a former classmate of mine. Uh, her name's Sylvia Gosnell. And she writes, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't thank you enough for the love offering. I pray, I pray God blesses you for all you did to help us. We are slowly rebuilding, one day at a time. I can't tell you the gratefulness we feel from all of God's people and their generosity. Uh, I know our lives are changed by this, by this tragedy, but God is in control and always on His throne. We are so thankful for you all. May God bless you. Thanks from the city of Carbon and the Mayor Sylvia Gosnell. Um, and you're all, if you're not all aware, you know, our, our church and our community... Uh, joined forces to send $30,000 to Carbon. And, and when I've had opportunity, you know, I brag on you as often as I can, brag on this church. And, and I often have opportunity to brag about how giving this church is. And I'm eager to say that. And people's jaws just drop. Uh, you're talking about, y'all play six-man football? Yes, we do. But the Lord is on His throne in Cherokee, Texas, and the people give out of a, uh, a generosity um, Having been forgiven much, they give much. And so, um, so thankful that our church has that reputation. Any other announcements that need to be made? All right. Would you please stand? And our call to worship this morning will be from Psalm 95, verses 1, 2, and 3. So let's join together and, and read all of this together. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 3. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Amen. Let's worship together.
himself, even though he gave up everything for me. Good morning. I think Jared can understand the predicament that 
sometimes people get in when they have one thing in mind that they're going to talk about. Oh, yay, we have a new member. All right. When you have one thing you want to talk about. Oh. Hi, Janus. Hey. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's see if I can come up with one about a dog. <laughs> um, sometimes the Holy Spirit or circumstances just kind of redirect your heart. Um, and that's what happened to me last night. Uh, I'm so thankful for um, the incredible plan that God had when he created the earth and he didn't just set it in motion, he actually came down and became a part of his own creation. And so when we read what God has to say to us in the Bible, we can read it knowing that Jesus Christ was not only God himself, but he came down and he was a man, a person, just like us. And uh, when I read about Lazarus dying and that Jesus wept, I know that Jesus understood, understands all of our feelings. And when we cry, when we have emotions, um, that's part of us being human. And Jesus understands it completely. Um, in Matthew... Jesus cried out uh, to his people and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You guys know how much I love chickens, right? And so can't you just picture a mother hen holding her wings out, and she's got all her little chickies right under her wings, and she protects them. She feeds them. Um, she uh, keeps them from any kind of danger. And when those little chicks get out from underneath those wings, her heart is kind of doing like this because um, she's, she's scared. She's um, unhappy. Um, and that's what I've been thinking about the last couple of days is I've seen pictures of kids going off to college because I know what it feels like. It's been 30 years since I took my oldest son to A&M and um, that feeling never goes away. To have an empty nest, to have all your little chicks get out from under your wings, it's, um, it's an unbelievable feeling. But the Bible tells us that God understands our feelings. Uh, he knows how we feel about our children. He, uh, he says in Psalms that children are a gift of the Lord. They're a reward to us, and he doesn't leave the grandparents out. He says that children are like a precious crown to us as grandparents. Um, but as much as we love our children, I know, I can tell, That God loves them even more. Right. Do you have Amen. any bones in your hands? 
What about in your head? What about in your feet? Okay, the Bible says that he could see all of your bones even when you were growing inside your mom's. He cared about you even then. Um, there's a, a little town north of Jerusalem called Rahma, and that's where they gathered the people together, the young people, before they sent them in exile to Babylon. And Jeremiah 31 says, Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Rahma, that's the name of the little town, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, declares the Lord. And they shall return from the land of the enemy, and there is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall return to their own territory. Uh, God says through the prophet Isaiah, all your children will be disciples of the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. John says in 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. This is a difficult time, and so this is the scripture that I want to leave you with from Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for your plan that you came to earth as one of your own creatures. That Jesus walked the earth, experienced every human emotion, and understands the way we feel in the days that are so hard. Father, I just pray that you would comfort the parents who are experiencing an empty nest. Father, we know that you love these kids more than we do. And we place them in your care and we praise you and thank you for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
rather than one named after the order of Aaron. But when there's a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily
have a high priest who is there because of descent but because he met every qualification of the sacrifice and we have a high priest who knows our trials who knows our temptations who knows our pains and our hurts and our sorrows and every single morning his mercy is new so this morning as we dive into your word God We crown him with many crowns before you and say that you are God alone and he is our Savior. And this morning, we need to hear your word. Holy Spirit, we needed to just rip the soil of our heart to pieces so that we may walk out of here and you will be glorified. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ alone. you would, please take your copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring your copy of God's Word today, bring it next time. Bring it every time. Do not fail to leave the house with your copy of God's Word. It is the bread of life. Um, It's the way that God infallibly speaks to us. Um, David spent one entire psalm, 176 verses, all told extolling the glories of the Word of God. I can go into my office and there are numerous copies of God's Word in my office. I suspect that many of us have multiple copies at home. Please bring your copy of God's Word to church. If you didn't bring one, um, you should find a hardback black one. Please take it and open it to the book of 1 Timothy. It will be in chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. If you're using a black hardback Bible... Uh, If you'll turn to the back and find page 165, you'll be at 1 Timothy. title of this morning's sermon is Contending for the Man of God. Uh, Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? 
Once again, we, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're in verses six, uh, 11 to 16. And this is God's word. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that that these words that have been read today, these are your words, they are God-breathed. We pray that you would use those uh, to break apart in us what needs to be removed and to replace it with something that reflects your glory more clearly. Lord, it seems maybe to some... Right now, I probably could have skipped this week because this is about the man of God. This has really nothing to do with me. I pray that you keep them focused, help them to hang in there so that they can see truly how this does relate to them, not just vaguely, but on a personal level. Father, we commit this time to you and pray that you would have your way with us, and we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you heard in this section of the letter. It's a very solemn part of the letter. It's very serious. Um, you know, there's, there's a... I remember when, when we used to take the field in a football game, we, we always, you know, the coach had something to say. And it was, you know, you're supposed to stop what you were doing. And it was solemn. It was, it was serious. You know, this, all right, man, we're about to take the field. And we're about to go... Whoop that team on the other side. And, and, and it was more than that. It was trying to, um, it was a motivational speech. Man, let's break the doors off the hinges. You know, that kind of motivational speech. Um, so this is along that lines. Um, but of course, what Paul is speaking to Timothy about, um, even though he uses, even uh, in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, transcends um, any athletic contest, um, any battle that takes place on earth. This is what Paul has commanded Timothy to do. Um, I think it's the most important battle um, that he's called Timothy to at this point. In verse 11, Paul says, You man of God. You man of God. Now, Paul does that because if you remember last week, we talked about uh, those that were um, conceited, those false teachers who were conceited and and were covetous, who did not find their contentment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in a certain way here, is contrasting who Timothy is with those false teachers. But there's more to it than that. Timothy is... God's man. He is God's representative, God's soldier. 
God's possession. Timothy, Paul, is, is somewhat saying, you belong to Him. You're His. And let that ground your faith. Let that put steel in your backbone. Let it solidify your convictions. You man of God. Paul also, I think, intends... To, is, 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 there's some layers of meaning here. I think he's also, in calling Timothy a man of God, reminding him, you are holy. You have been set apart, called, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and you've been gifted. In fact, Ephesians describes how God gave some to be apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's a gift to the church. Timothy, you are, and this is not an arrogant thing, you are God's gift to that church. O man of God. And so to sum up, I believe what Paul is saying here to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, man of God, fulfill your calling. Now, Paul is more specific in this section than that one short statement. However, that short statement is a great summary of what Paul is about to tell Timothy. Timothy, man of God, fulfill your calling. Do the job. Run through the finish line. No lollygagging. No loafing. No lack of focus. Discipline, dedication, and determination are what will carry you through. Let the needle, Timothy, of your compass point to the Lord, to His ways, to His purposes, and charge on full speed ahead. Timothy, man of God, fulfill your calling. There are six points that I want to make from the text that we'll build upon, we'll fill in what Paul has to say in more detail What he means by, Timothy, fulfill your calling. First, Timothy, man of God, be intentional with your character. Be intentional. Notice it says in verse 11, but flee from these things. Flee from these things. These things, what he's talking about, are the things that that captured these false teachers. They were conceited, thought they knew what they were talking about. They didn't. They were shams. They were empty shells. They were also covetous, thinking that godliness was a means of great gain to them. Paul says, Timothy, you run away from that. Flee from these things. They are dangerous. Don't toy with them. Don't piddle with them. In fact, in the Greek, that word for flee is an imperative. It's a continuous, active imperative. As if Paul is saying, Timothy, flee and keep fleeing. The mindset of your heart and your mind should be flee from these things. This is not the first time that Paul has said to flee from something. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, flee immorality. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, he says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, he says, now flee from youthful lusts. Now, it's one thing to flee, to turn from. But Paul also tells Timothy, don't just turn from something, turn to something. Flee from these things and pursue these things. 
And the things that he lists, again, righteousness. Righteousness before God. Godliness. The character that would describe God, that that would accord with someone saying they have a relationship with God. It's faith. It's Timothy having that exercise of personal faith. Pursue those things. Pursue love. Pursue perseverance. Hang in there. Keep driving at it. And I just love how he says the last thing in gentleness. It doesn't mean that Timothy is to be a pushover. It means that he's to be, it really it's, it's more about meekness. It's strength under control. Paul says pursue these things. And just like he did with the word flee, that word pursue in the Greek is a continuous active imperative. Pursue and keep pursuing. It's a constant command that you never get away from. Paul, this is, this is so like Paul to say, flee from this, run to this. Romans 14, 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love. The second half of 2 Timothy 2, 22. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Hebrews 12, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Turn from these things. Flee from these things, Timothy. Run headlong. Run headlong toward these things. Pursue them. Like an, like an, uh, an animal of prey, hunting, uh, hunting down its prey. The, Paul, the, the process that Paul is describing is in some ways like our experience of repentance. Paul says, you put to death this. You know, we don't repent once, right? Y'all know that, right? We don't repent once. We, we continually repent. There's always this battle where we're to put to death the sin that is in, among us and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us, take off the old man. And put on the new man. In saying this, he's saying, be intentional with your character. Timothy, be intentional with your character. There's no drift. There's no hands-off approach. There's no such thing as lazy river Christianity. If you've been to a water park, you know what the lazy river is. You don't just hop in a tube. Fiddle on your phone if you've got one of those things that will make your phone not get wet. And you can just do whatever you want to. Just let things push you around. There's no such thing as lazy river Christianity. You must be intentional with your character. The second thing that Paul says to Timothy is, Timothy, man of God, have an in the trenches mentality. In the trenches. You may not know what that means if you're uh, below a certain age. If you have not studied maybe World War I or... um, because World War I was the war that to end all wars. It's characterized by trench warfare, where soldiers would dig uh, great big uh, trenches in the ground and they would fight from, the, they would hide in them until such time as they were to get out and they were to go and fight. Sometimes you'll hear a football broadcaster talking about how when the offense and defensive line are right there and they're about to, you know, they're at the line of scrimmage, that's the trenches. And if you're going to get in the trenches, you've got to have a certain mentality. What Paul says to Timothy, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. 
Fight the good fight of faith. Fight and keep fighting the good fight of faith. In the first part of this book, Paul says to, to Timothy in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. Paul, at the end of his life, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul's saying, I got in the trenches. And I stuck it out. Now the Greek word that is translated fight uh, also has the, the connotation of struggle. It's agonizomai. You hear the word agony in there. Agonizomai. Struggle. It means to strive to do something with great intensity and effort. To make every effort to. To do everything possible to. To strain oneself to. And it's active and continuous in its command. Fight, keep fighting. Fight, keep fighting. This word is used in Luke 13, 24, where it says strive. That's the word, agonizomai, strive. To enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Struggle, strive, fight. Timothy, have an in-the-trenches mentality. Think of it as combat. And your commander has told you, fix bayonets. Think of it as an athletic competition. Let's say football, since we just all love football. It's always fourth and inches. It's always fourth and inches. Have an in-the-trenches mentality, which means it's not an easy thing to do. Especially with Timothy, he's got to understand he's always going to have a target on his back. Always. It's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. Think about how God used the word good in Genesis 1 and 2. Created, called it good. Created another day, called it good. Did that five more times, four more times. Called it good. Created man and woman. Called, created Adam, called him very good. Lots of fights. That maybe Timothy could say, well, I need to fight this fight. Or I need to to wage war here. I need to fight this battle. But I think Paul is saying, Timothy, you don't wander off into other skirmishes. You stay focused on the good fight of faith. Now, some of your translations may say of faith or it may say of the faith. And both of those are plausible translations of uh, those two Greek words. If 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 he says uh, to fight the good fight of faith, he's saying, Timothy, fight to remain faithful. Fight to remain faithful. If he's saying fight the good fight of the faith, I believe Paul is saying fight the fight to contend for all the different things that Paul has been telling Timothy. You contend for this, contend for that, contend for this. You fight that fight. Third, Timothy, man of God, take ownership of eternal life. Verse 12, Paul says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and to which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, Timothy, you, you were called. You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Don't stop there. Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold that of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on for the goal of the prize, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, I want to take hold of eternal life in Christ Jesus. And when Paul is saying that he's to take hold of eternal life, he's talking about present and future. Present and future. Now, that, that the future life is already, he, he can look ahead to it. And it can give him gr- great steel in his backbone. And, and it can help him in, uh, strengthen his faith. But Paul's saying, you, you, you take ownership of eternal life every day. I know right now, 1 Corinthians 13, we see as in a mirror dimly, but we can see. We know in part, 1 Corinthians 13, but we can know. Press on to know the Lord. That's what Hosea 6.3 says. Take ownership of eternal life. John Piper might have told Timothy, Timothy, remember, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. Take ownership in the eternal life that Christ Jesus purchased for you. It behooves us to remember. And maybe Timothy, if if he had been born hundreds of years later, uh, he might have been taught man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Timothy, don't you forget that. Don't get caught up so much in ministry that you miss the point that you were called to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is your life, not your ministry. Paul says, Timothy, you were called out of death into life. Take off your grave clothes. Take off your grave clothes and live. Fourth. Timothy, man of, God, man of God, contend with judgment day seriousness. Starting in verse 13. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment. Keep the commandment. In verse 12 he talks about some earthly witnesses. Verse 12 he says, You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now Paul is amping up the seriousness of what he's calling Timothy to do by bringing God the Father and God the Son into this serious time. You made the confession in front of earthly witnesses, Timothy. I'm telling you, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, you keep the commandment. Don't you hear the seriousness in Paul's voice? He's saying, Timothy, do this no matter the cost. But notice how Paul describes God and Christ Jesus. And I think this is helpful for Timothy. Remember, Paul says, God is the one who gives life to all things. And Christ Jesus testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate asked Christ, are you the king of the Jews? I am. I am the king of the Jews. He didn't waver. Now you can say from an earthly perspective that that led in part to to Christ's death on the cross. But Paul's trying to get Timothy to remember the earthly perspective is just one perspective. See, the heavenly perspective is, is that God who gave life to the one whose confession cost him his life. So Timothy, keep the commandment. Chapter 1, verse 18, again, remember, he says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies made 
previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, that, Timothy, you would contend for the faith, that you would contend well, you would contend prayerfully, you would contend for women, for leadership, for the household of God, that you would contend against counterfeits, and you would contend for honor, and you would contend for contentment with judgment day seriousness. Now, why do I say that? Because Paul reminds us, and this is especially important for Timothy, but it's also important for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Timothy, do these things. Contend with judgment day seriousness. Fifth, Timothy, man of God, persevere in scrupulous obedience. Paul tells him, keep the commandment. But then he continues by saying, without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, be scrupulous in your obedience. Keep the commandment fully, without stain, without reproach. Paul is saying when he says without stain, do it spotlessly. Do it in such a way that no blemish can be seen. Do it in a pure way. Do it in a a faultless way. He's describing a condition of purity that is not rebukable. That word for stain is used to describe Jesus, or without stain, is used to describe Jesus as the spotless lamb in 1 Peter 1.19. In 2 Peter 3.14, Peter tells the believers to be spotless as they wait for the day of the Lord. He also tells Timothy, keep the commandment without reproach. And that pertains to what cannot be criticized. Keep it in a way, Timothy, that you cannot be criticized, that you're above criticism, that you're beyond reproach. Now, Paul knows what he's talking about there because remember how Paul described himself in Philippians, a Pharisee of Pharisees. As to the law, blameless. Timothy, persevere in scrupulous obedience. Paul tells him how long? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, which he will bring about at the proper time. Timothy, you contend with judgment day seriousness. You run through the finish line. Timothy might ask, but where's the finish line? That's not your problem. You don't worry about that. You contend with judgment day seriousness, persevering in scrupulous obedience until either you appear before Christ Jesus or He comes. Now I want to ask you, would you live life differently if you thought Jesus was coming tomorrow, next week, next month? Well, friends, maybe He will. Maybe he will. Let's not get caught off guard. Let us persevere in scrupulous obedience. Fifth, Timothy, man of God, rest in the supremacy of God. He talks about the supremacy of God when he says in verse 15, He will bring about at the proper time. He's talking about God, the Father, which He will bring about at the proper time. He, who is the the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who alone possesses immortality and dwells in inapproachable light. To Him 
uh, whom no man has seen or can see. Timothy rests in the, ble- in the supremacy of God. He is the blessed and only sovereign. Notice in your Bible, it's a capital S. He is the only capital S sovereign. That Greek word is the word from which we get our word dynasty. Paul's telling Timothy, there's only one dynasty. Only one, and it is God's, and He is sovereign. He is the capital K, King of Kings, because there's only one. He is the capital L, Lord of Lords, because there's only one. All other rulers are mortal. They're like grass. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow, and they're thrown into the furnace. God blows on them, and they wither, and they die. But God alone is the only sovereign. He alone possesses immortality. He, He never had a birthday You know, God never had a birth certificate. He'll never have a death certificate. He is immortal. And He alone dwells in unapproachable light. No man has seen Him or can see Him. Why does Paul spend the time to do this with Timothy? To remind him as he is contending to rest in the supremacy of God. To tell Timothy, Timothy, this is your God. This is who you serve. He's the only one who can sustain you in the fight. He's the only one that is worth fighting the good fight for. How much would it benefit us to keep the glory of God in mind? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah receives his call. Remember? He he had this vision of the Lord in the temple. and and, And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And there were the cherubim. Holy, holy, holy. And he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I have a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He knew he was done for. But a cherub went and took one of the, the, the hot pieces of coal from, uh, with his tongs and came and touched it to Isaiah's lips. The very spot that Isaiah said, This is where I'm unworthy. And then right after that, after having this great vision of the glory of the Lord, the Lord says, who will go for me? Isaiah says, I will. Now who wouldn't, right? After seeing the glory of the Lord. Now we we can't see it. We can see it in our mind's eye as best we can through through Scripture. Isaiah got a front row seat. And he said, I'll go. You remember the ministry that Paul gave, that, that God gave Isaiah? Is you're going to go to a group of people and you're going to talk and they're not going to listen. They're not going to pay attention to a word you say. What would keep Isaiah going? That he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his throne, of his robe, filled the temple. And the cherubim were flying around saying, Holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. That's what would keep Timothy grounded. Timothy rests in the supremacy of God. Finally, Timothy, man of God, honor God alone. He says in verse 16, To Him be glory and eternal dominion. But notice verse 15. I'm going to read it again, which he will bring about at the top proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm going to insert he who alone possesses immortality and dwells in inapproachable light. He whom no man can, has seen or can see to him 
be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. To him. Notice it says he's the blessed and only sovereign. He alone dwells in possesses immortality. And it's assumed there he alone dwells in inapproachable light. No man has seen him or seen him. To him alone be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Timothy, you have an audience of one. An audience of one. And when all is said and done, he will be the only one that's left. You honor him alone. Again, you might think, well, you've said Timothy over and over again. There's no one in here named Timothy. This was written a long time ago. Someone else's email. Don't need to pay attention. It's not true. Every point has application to every Christian. We are to be intentional with our character. We are to have an intent and in the trenches mentality. We are to press on and to know the Lord, to take ownership of eternal life in the here and now. We are to persevere in scrupulous obedience of God's word. We're to rest in all of this in the glorious God we serve, and we are above all to honor Him alone. You might think that this is just about contending for the man of God. But it is all about contending for the church. Because as the man of God goes, so does the church. And as the church goes, so goes the ministry of the gospel. Let me make a point. It used to be said about Texas A&M football that it was the place where good quarterbacks went to die in their career. And there was some truth in that, I think, that if there was a really good quarterback, he'd go to A&M, and all the talent that he had before he came in, where was that talent now? What was going on? The place where quarterback talent went to die. It must... Why? What, what, what Paul says to Timothy is so incredibly important is because as the man of God goes... So goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the proclamation of the gospel. May God's church never be a place where the gospel comes to die. Where it makes no change in people. Where it's like water flowing into the Dead Sea and the fish go into it and and they die there. And there's nothing flowing out. So see, this has everything to do with us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these words from Paul to Timothy. A young man in the faith and the ministry that he loved so much. A one, that, one that he trusted implicitly. Whom he gave one of the most difficult tasks to stay around in Ephesus. And to put this church in order and to fight against these false teachers. We praise you for all that he said. And Lord, we do see where this applies to us individually. Lord, help us to grab it, grab a hold of it, to sink our teeth in it, to make it our own. Lord, let it change us. Let it affect us. 
but do in us what you promised when you said that your word will not return void. So Lord, I pray that your word will not return void today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going, to come, we're going to sing, Come Thou Fout of Every Blessing. If you would, please stand. Any decision you need to make this time, please do so. along to you today. Um, Angela Allred, her funeral was Saturday, is that correct? Okay, so continue to pray for the Angela Allred family. Pray for Ben, he's having a a difficult time, I think, trying to find uh, a a, a nursing home, a care facility that will take him, so pray for Ben. Pray for our sister Candace Henderson, I don't know if you all have heard, but uh, Candace has a tumor in the back of her brain, it's called a schwannoma, Uh, it's benign. And so on September 1st, they're going to do a surgery and, and remove, I, I think, the bulk of it. I don't think they can get all of it. Um, and then she'll be in ICU for a while, hospital a few days. And uh, depending on that, how she does, maybe some rehab after that. Um, she's at home with um, a lady named Claudia, who is a, is a nurse. And Ken, brought, um, Ken was crucial in getting her uh, to Texas because Ken met Claudia um, when they went on a walking tour of Israel together. So you didn't know at that time how the Lord was going to use that relationship to benefit Candace, and so we praise God for that. I also pray for Clinton Collier. He's been admitted to 71. I think he's maybe dealing with some infection. Uh, continue to pray for Clinton Hayden. He's just got a lot going on. Pray for our brother Eddie. He had back surgery on Friday, and uh, he's just on the road to recovery. 
got to walk every day, so pray for, for him. Pray for my dad. He's with the Texas Baptist Men Relief Ministries uh, in Kentucky, in Jackson, Kentucky. Uh, so pray for him. Um, any other updates, prayer updates, or prayer requests we need to pass along? Okay. Well, I got to preach to a dog today, and I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> Welcome to Janus. All right, let's stand. We'll uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll say the Great Commission together. Lord, we thank you again uh, for you, you being the King of kings, the Lord of lords, um, the one and only sovereign uh, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, that even though all that is true about you, you invite us to pray. And so, Lord, we lift up the All Red family. Uh, we lift up little Addie and her fight with cancer. We lift up Candace and Ben and, and the two Clintons. Uh, lift up my dad. Lord, those that I'm just forgetting right now, but all those on our prayer list, we lift them up to you. And uh, we rest in your goodness. We trust in your, your sovereignty. Uh, we, we hope in your wisdom. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless each of them in the way in which they need it uh, for your glory so that we may give a testimony to your goodness. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them...